Hello friends, it's Katie here. Welcome to Not Somali Mormon Podcast. Sarah and I decided that we wanted to start regularly sharing the stories we receive from you guys. Um, you've made this podcast so enjoyable because of the stories that you send in to us, and we are honored that you are opening up and sharing your personal stories with us. For these short episodes, it'll just be me alone reading to you. So I'm not really alone. (laughs) I'm reading to you guys. Um, But of course, we will still have our full-length episodes weekly with both of us and special guests. Um, But once a week, or possibly more, I will read something a listener has sent in to us. The one we're going to start with today gave both Sarah and I the chills as we read it. I will not mention the sender's name since she wished to remain anonymous. And a little content warning here, there is some sexual assault and rape mentioned. So if you might feel distressed by that, you may want to stop listening. But we're very grateful for this person that sent this story in. It cannot have been easy. And we're excited to share it with you. If you have a story that you would like to share with us, please do. You can send it to us on any of our social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And the best way probably to send in longer stories is through our email, which is not so Molly Mormon podcast at gmail.com. All right, without further ado, I will get into the letter. I listened to your episode about bishops and the inappropriate questions they ask youth. It really resonated with me and was scary to realize that I've been dissecting and criticizing the church for about a year now, and I only just realized how messed up it is that an untrained, middle-aged man is dealing with our kids' sexual issues. It's such a normal thing to talk about chastity in the LDS church that we don't even question it. Here's my story. I grew up LDS and my parents are very faithful members. I've always had anxiety and was kind of a guilt-prone kid, and my mom wasn't a very good fit for me growing up. So I started going through a rebellious stage when I was about 12. When I was 13, maybe 12, I blocked it out, so I'm not exactly sure when this occurred. I snuck out of my house in the middle of the night to hang out with a neighbor friend. He took me to one of his friend's houses and, yada yada yada, I was raped by an 18-year-old guy I'd never met before. I snuck out two more times that week, and this same guy found a way to get me alone and rape me each time. I had never had any sexual experience before then, and was so naive that I wasn't even familiar with the possibilities of becoming pregnant. I didn't know what pulling out was, or that you don't have a period when you're pregnant. After this traumatizing week, I began having serious anxiety about whether I might become pregnant. I couldn't get my hands on a pregnancy test, so according to my 13-year-old logic, I'd eat as little as possible and weigh myself and measure my belly in hopes of seeing a correlation. I planned to kill myself if I concluded that I was pregnant. As you have noted, the Mormon church has determined that sexual sin is a sin next to murder. Reading that quote in the scriptures will always be engraved in my mind because it truly made me disregard the value of my life as a 13-year-old girl. I believed I had committed a serious sin that was going to send me to hell. 
Eventually, I realized I wasn't pregnant, but I was still dealing with horrible anxiety and depression and thoughts of suicide and had decidedly convinced myself that I could never, ever tell anyone about this. My only hope, and I remember writing this in my journal, was to never talk or even think about this ever again, and that maybe in time I would forget that it ever happened and that perhaps God would take pity on me for having committed this sin, but hopefully forgive me when I die because I didn't remember it. I was such a mess. This guilt and shame led to some pretty terrible consequences. I was secretive and sad and started having anxiety attacks. I started cutting myself and developed an eating disorder. All things that are a result of feeling guilt and trying to prove how much I hated myself and how sorry I was for what I had done. Between the ages of 13 and 16, I had multiple interviews with my branch president, which is the branch's equivalent to a bishop. The only reason I remember having to have these interviews was to be able to do baptisms for the dead, which was something all the youth were encouraged to do. It was truly awful to have to sit alone with a man and be asked questions about morality and chastity. Although I never admitted to anything and didn't get the second tier of probing questions, it infuriates me that a young girl who is a rape victim would be put in a situation like that and have to relive and then lie about it, a traumatizing event to a man of God. The guilt was overwhelming. When I was 16, I finally got the courage to confess this sin to my branch president. The man was a sweet but spunky 50-year-old Latin man who I really liked and respected. I don't remember my exact words, but I remember he asked if there had been penetration, and I wanted to puke, but told him yes. He asked me if I had told anyone else about this, and I told him that I hadn't. And I remember the look on his face, the saddest, most downtrodden sigh, and he looked at me as if thinking, that is so sad. What the fuck am I supposed to do with this information? I'm sure he said some words of condolence, but the only thing I remember clearly is that he said, I'm so glad you told me this, because if you hadn't, you would not have been worthy of the celestial kingdom. So any semblance of rational thought I was possibly coming to that this incident was abuse and not my fault was instantly shot down because somehow this had happened and I hadn't confessed it. I would have not made it to the highest degree of glory, but only now, I'm only now realizing how fucked up it is that he didn't refer me to a counselor. That there's no talk on the importance of consent because I definitely had not consented to sex. That there are other forms of rape that don't involve abduction and a gun to your head. That this untrained, middle-aged man slept well that night knowing that a 16-year-old girl had just admitted to being the victim of rape for the first time and he hadn't given her any sound advice. How can someone do that? After this incident with the branch president, I found myself in a sin-guilt-repent, sin-guilt-repent cycle, and I still had serious anxiety. Alcohol was the only thing I could find that could ease my pain. So anytime I could get my hands on alcohol, I'd drink myself into a stupor. And luckily, I'd usually be at a party, and there would be plenty of men ready and willing to take advantage of a super drunk girl. I never wanted to sleep with random guys, but I ended up waking up hungover and partially dressed in an unknown bed more times than I can count. It was a really terrible adolescence. I felt horrible and unworthy and truly worthless. 
I eventually found an LDS man who was a great fit for me and dealt with all my baggage and treated me very differently than what I had grown used to. We've been married six years and have two kids together, and I'm lucky he was the one to open my eyes to the absurdity of the LDS church. I remember the first time he said, you know, if there's a true church on this planet, it's definitely not the LDS church. I was shocked, but it made me think, and it's been such a journey of mentally unprogramming ever since. I truly believe that I could have had a better adolescence had I been raised without the church's guilt culture. Obviously, I would have still had issues because of what I experienced, but I don't think I would have wanted to take my own life. I still believe to this day that I would have gone through with it had I become pregnant. That's how terrifying it is to have sex before marriage and get pregnant out of wedlock in the LDS church. I think I would have had better self-esteem. I would have respected myself more and wouldn't have gotten hammered every chance I got or feel pressured to sleep with guys when I, who I didn't want to sleep with. I would have had a healthy view of sex. My family still attends church because my husband and I aren't ready to deal with the backlash of leaving the church from our families and friends. I wish people understood how hard it is to leave. Because this is such a downer story, I feel the need to express that I'm now 29 years old and have a therapist I love and a wonderful marriage. My husband and I are honest and open with each other about our feelings regarding the church, and I truly am happier than I've ever been. Thanks for taking the time to read this. I tried to make it short, but it ended up still being pretty long. Feel free to use whatever you want on the podcast, just keep it anonymous. I wish I had the balls to not be anonymous, and I know someday that I will. Thanks again. Wow. Just wow. <clears throat> We want to tell you thank you so much for your honesty and bravery and for sending us that story and you know who you are and i'm sure it resonated with many others we are with you we support you we're happy for you now <laughs> and we love you thank you for listening everybody and remember to please send us your stories at not so Molly Mormon podcast at gmail.com.